Ethos. Joel Lababa is the franchise king. You're not just a member of the franchise community. You're not just a franchise broker, but the king. Tell us about what do you do? Well, Paul, you know, um, I, I guess the first thing I should say is I'm a franchise ownership advisor. So what that means is that um, I'm not a consultant or a broker because I don't receive a brokerage commission from franchisors. So uh, like in your case, when you and I work together, you were my client. You still are my client. I work for you. Um, So it's really clean. One way to explain it, I guess, is I don't care if you buy a franchise or not because I'm not getting paid based on that. But what I do care is if you do it, that you do it right and that you do whatever you can to protect yourself and your finances. And that's what I focus on. So I hope that helps. It it does. At the beginning of this year, I was looking into franchises and I shared in the last episode that I landed on one burn boot camp that we bought uh, a burn franchise. And, uh, but I Googled franchises and got, you know, a hundred thousand results. And I quickly (laughs) discovered there are very helpful people out there uh, called franchise brokers that once you give them your contact info, they follow up with you and uh, they have lots of uh, questions and they're eager to help. And so, uh, but then I stumbled upon you because you, you wrote a book uh, and, uh, and so you were in that sea of people I was talking to and very quickly I got overwhelmed. And what I discovered was uh, these brokers are paid by franchises uh, to, to obviously find uh, owners. So there's a little bit of a, I don't know if you call it a conflict of interest, but um, the interest wasn't 100% on my side. Uh, And so I did appreciate that about you, that you're a coach. Uh, I paid you and you gave me advice. And I love that you said, you don't care if I buy a franchise. You just want to make sure that um, I'm navigating it properly. You have a checklist and that was very clarifying to me. Um, and so wh- where do people start when they're thinking about finding a franchise? I don't recommend Googling it because <laughs> you'll very quickly get overwhelmed. So wh- where's a good place to start if you're thinking, hey, franchise ownership might be for me? The best place to start is with yourself, Paul. And, and I think you did that. I think you have, you have a real good introspective of, of what drives you because we talked about it a little bit. And if you start with yourself and list kind of your strengths and weaknesses like you would for a job, but also your personal traits, like for instance, are you compassionate? Um, are you really salesy? Uh, do you want to make an impact with your business or do you not? It doesn't matter to you. There's a lot of things that go into it. So once you determine um, really just like putting it on a piece of paper, what your strengths and weaknesses are and what your personal traits are, then you can, you can start thinking about what kind of businesses, franchise or not, but what kind of businesses can I best leverage all these great things that I bring to the table? So that's how to start. And then once you have that idea, then go to some of the franchise websites. Um, my strategic partner is Franchise Direct. Um, I've worked with them for years. I provide content, help them with social media. There are several other ones, FranchiseOpportunities.com, Franchise.org. There's tons of franchise websites. But once, if, if you start with you, once you jump into the Franchise Opportunity websites, you can quickly narrow down the choices if you can figure out what you can leverage of, of your own to bring to the table. 
Man, that is so powerful because at the end of the day, uh, if you're looking at franchising, uh, you probably don't just want to get another job that you hate <laughs> or, or in an in- industry you don't love. And so what is important to you? And I, as I shared with you, uh, you know, health and wellness was really important right. uh, to my wife and myself, but we both had gyms we attended that we were happy with. And so didn't really want to own own a competing gym. But I love the quote, uh, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And we kind of put that yeah. out into the universe, if you will. And all of a sudden the opportunity presented itself and we weren't looking at buying a gym, but it just so happened a mutual friend uh, of ours uh, reached out and said, Hey, we're, we're thinking about approaching the franchise owners of Burn to see if they'd be willing to sell. I never dreamt of that. It wasn't for sale. And all of a sudden they said yes. And, and we, uh, you know, it just, it, it worked out, but it wouldn't have appeared should we, had, you know, not gone through the introspection of of like what do we want to actually do, and also uh, the other thing is it was important to me that I I keep my day job if you will I didn't want right. to uh, have a, a job that took. 50, 60 hours a week, but this is one that's pretty self-managing that I can add a little strategic uh, guidance, um, some input, help make sure we've got the right people on the team in the right places, but it doesn't require my full-time attention, which which was one of the things on your checklist, right? How much time are you willing to invest right. in this new business? Right, right. It's interesting because most of the people that look at franchises um, don't end up buying the first or second franchise they look at. They end up buying something they either never thought of or something that, you know, I mean, I'm a believer, you know, you put yourself out there in the universe and, and stuff happens. In your case, it did. It, you know, owning a fitness franchise was was not really on your radar because, you, you you know, you would feel guilty competing against the business that you, right. that you use yourself. So because you were open and because you really honed in on health and fitness, you were able to find something without even looking that hard, Mm -hmm. you know, your story is kind of cool. And I think your wife was involved because she heard through the grapevine that, Hey, these guys might be wanting to sell this thing. Yes. And, uh, and that's exactly, uh, what happened. And there's still some other interesting concept. There's another one that I'm looking at down the road, if you will. Um, Uh and so I learned very quickly that, uh, there's, the franchise business is a separate business from the actual product or service that these companies provide. And the franchise people are salespeople. So they're trying to convince you to buy their product. And they have these things where they, they have discovery days that they invite you into. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, that process. So somebody decides, okay, yeah. this is the type of business I want to be in. I kind of like this company. Uh, and if they reach out to that company and that company is super aggressive, you know, what should they look out for? What does that process look like? Right. For me and what I tell all my clients is if you're looking at a franchise opportunity and you've had a couple conversations with headquarters, with the franchise sales rep, but all of a sudden they switch to, you got to come out for discovery day. We want you to come visit headquarters. It's really important. Let's get going on that. But sometimes you're not quite ready. So what I tell people is, I don't want you going to discovery day until you thoroughly understand what the what the business model is and the most important part that you have spent time on the phone and or in person with franchisees of that brand. Because I found that franchisors who want you to get to headquarters very early in the process want you to do it 
um, uh, because they want you, they want to capitalize on the excitement, the enthusiasm you have for the brand. But that excitement and enthusiasm doesn't matter if you find out that the franchisees are unhappy, um, the franchisees aren't even making any money, and some of them regret even doing it. So find out the information first. And if what you're hearing is, is above average, then by all means, visit headquarters. But, you know, I've worked with clients that have said, well, you know, I've gone to two discovery days already, Joel, but I want to work with you now. The first question is, why did you go to two? Well, I was just curious, you know, I was interested and, you know, they really wanted me to go out there. I said, well, the reason you're calling me is because you went to two discovery days and you haven't bought a franchise yet. It's okay to explore stuff, but why get on a plane and go visit Detroit if you live in South Carolina, if you don't even know enough about the franchise and you don't even know if the franchisees are making money. So don't put the cart before the horse. Do most of your due diligence, then visit headquarters. It's a win-win for both parties. Absolutely. And I started out looking, narrowing down my areas of interest. Uh, I've been into running and uh, really have enjoyed my experience with Fleet Feet, for example. It's a great store. Uh, and I reached out to them and they were super conservative. They took their time, which I appreciated in the long run, yeah. uh, because the getting to know me and whether I would be a right fit for them. Part of your personality. Yes. You don't want to be rushed. That's right. I do like to right. make decisions quickly, but this is a long-term investment and yeah. personal, financial, emotional, all the things. And so at the end of several months, it became, uh, clear to me that, uh, you know, I can still enjoy, uh, Shopping at Fleet Feet, I can recommend right. people go there, but it wasn't a right fit for me to own one. And uh, I right. did, per your advice, talk to uh, numerous owners and realized that uh, it was all consuming for them. That was a full-time job for them and their spouse. You would not have been able to remain at your position. Correct. And run that. Plus, it was, you know, it was a drive. I mean, it wasn't like around the corner. Yeah. It's really weird because like like a week after you mentioned that franchise, because I wasn't really that yeah. familiar with it, I can't keep track of 4,000 different franchises. <laughs> There's one right down the street for me. That's funny. I never even noticed it. Yep. And the weird thing was, it was kind of empty. Yikes. Yeah. Because it's a very niche, specialized, right. $300 running shoe kind of place. Yeah. You don't need a lot of foot traffic. Yeah. Get it? Foot traffic. But you do need the right kind of traffic, and it does need to be steady. So, hey, you found out that it wasn't for you. That's okay. No, that was very freeing. So there's no, like, what ifs. It was like, okay, that just right. isn't a good fit for me. And we're loving so far so good with with the Burn team. And, and uh, it's a growing brand, uh, about 300 locations now and just right. exploding. And I love to be a part of a, a growing brand. So tell me, what is maybe the biggest mistake people make uh, when they get into franchising or begin looking into franchising? There's two of them, really. The first one is not talking to enough existing franchisees. You know, as long as it's not a new brand that only has three franchisees. Yeah. If it's a brand that has 20, 50, 100 franchisees or more, there's no reason why you shouldn't call at least a dozen of them. All right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is listening to people in franchising, anywhere from brokers, consultants to even the franchise sales reps who tell you, you know, if you want before you sign the franchise agreement, which is like 25 pages long and complicated, if you want, you can hire a lawyer. But I'm telling you right now, we're not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you decide if you want to spend that money, folks spend the money on an attorney, on a franchise attorney 
who's used to reading and writing these, these franchise disclosure documents. Because you never know. Once in a while, something may be able to be changed. But even if it isn't, that's not the important part. You need to have a complete understanding of what your liabilities are as a franchisee, what's expected of you, and what the franchisor must do per the agreement to help you. That's critically important. You need to have somebody translate, know what you're signing up for <laughs> and yeah. uh, how you get out of it. If you know, you, cause uh, I've learned a long time ago when you get into a business arrangement before you get into it, know how you're going to get out. Because as much as right. we all change careers and industries change, like there's very few jobs that you're going to sign up for in your thirties or forties, or maybe even fifties and sixties that like you're going to have for the rest of your life. So you got to have an exit strategy. <laughs> right, right. You do have, to have an, and, and an attorney can help you with yeah. that. The right kind of attorney can say, okay, here's your, you know, it's a 10 year agreement. Let's talk about what you want to do in eight years. In a perfect world, if you're making money eight years from now, what do you want to be doing? Do you want to sell it? If you have kids, you want to maybe have them get involved. Uh, do you want to move somewhere warm? In your case, you don't have to, but mm -hmm. do you want to move somewhere warm and keep this thing operating with a manager? Start thinking about this stuff because everyone's excited about the beginning part, but you're right. They don't think about the exit strategy. And I know the answer to this, but let me ask you, don't you have to have like a couple million bucks laying around to open a franchise? We've all heard these crazy prices. <laughs> no, you don't. Well, uh, what I learned, that was a concern of mine, right? I uh, did not have, you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting around right. to just buy a franchise. But, um, you, you kind of, um, let me know that, you know, I have a good credit score. I'm grateful for that. Uh, and not a lot of debt. And so that you said, Hey, you know, that's the least of your problems or not. It's not your biggest problem. You got to right, find the right, right fit business, but right. there are financing options, uh, for franchises. Right. right. There's a lot of cool options. Um, everything from getting a small business loan from your local bank and the, getting the SBA involved to using a portion of your retirement funds to set up a company. There's a lot of really cool ways to do it. But, you know, it, it is kind of a common fallacy that, you know, if you're looking at a $250,000 franchise, you need to come up with $250,000. No, you probably need to come up with about sixty or 70000 of your own money and hopefully can finance the rest. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, and, and the cool thing about franchising, I learned this a long time ago, you don't necessarily have to invest more to make more. Generally, it doesn't have anything to do. One has nothing to do with the other, unless you're looking at like a multi-unit operation where you know you're going to spend $800,000 in five years time because you're going to own three or four locations. Then the income potential does start to match with what you're going to invest because you're investing in something that's going to be multi-units. Yeah. And I would imagine that you guys are thinking about another unit mm -hmm. or two um, or getting into another franchise a few years from yeah. now or, or who knows when. Um, it, it, it's about timing and opportunity. You happen to be living in a very good area, so there's a lot of opportunities. And. I also, th I've had people ask me this, well, why not just open Paul's gym, right? You can buy equipment, you can hire right. trainers. It's not rocket science. Uh, so why not? If somebody's listening and they're interested and they're like, Hey, I have a talent or interest. Why don't I just open up my own shop? How would you answer that? Why wouldn't you want to? Sure. Go ahead and try. But here's the thing. It, it, it's, you know, it has to do with your age, um, your desire, your strategy, and how fast you want to be making money. You could find a way to open up your own fitness business and come up with all the ideas and build your own systems 
and you'll be like doing a lot of experimenting. It's going to take you a really long time to ramp up and break even. Or, as my late father would say, you can buy the pre-made cake mix instead of making a cake from scratch. You buy it pre-made, just add water, right? And it's done. That's what a franchise is. Just add water. Here's how to how to here's the recipe. Here's how to do it. If you do this, 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 and this, in a perfect world, you'll end up with this. Here's our software systems. Here's our business operating systems. Here's our email marketing systems. Here's our uh, a branding. These are the colors you need to use. Here's the signage. Let's rock and roll, and and let's have a grand opening. You know, we will do it for you and with you, as long as you follow the plan. You know, you you should end up being okay. But you could, if you're really entrepreneurial, come up with your own concept and, and just do it on your own. Some people are wired like that. Some people don't want to follow rules. They don't want to sign a 25-page franchise contract. Everyone's different. That's what makes it really cool. And everyone approaches me from a different place in franchising. Some people have looked already for two months and they're like, Ugh. I don't know what the heck to get. Or some people are like, I don't understand franchising at all. Or some people take my quiz. I have a free quiz on my website. And some people take it and, and, and they score so low that they think twice about getting in a franchise because maybe they aren't too keen on following the rules. If you're not a rule follower, start something on your own. I think that's funny because it is a loaded word, entrepreneurial. I consider myself entrepreneurial, uh, but... I think I like results. And when you look at the statistics of the failure rate of new businesses, uh, they're pretty high. But if you want to mitigate that risk, take a proven concept and I, you put your own entrepreneurial twist on it. And I can tell you now from firsthand experience, there is margin for creativity. Um, you know, sure. Don't break the things that work that are bringing in the customers and the revenue. Right. Uh, stick to the model. Uh, it's a model for a reason. Um, but you know, find... Uh, where there are areas of creativity, how you can take things to a new level uh, of productivity and uh, you know business insight. And so I'm finding tons of ways to be creative without breaking the model. Uh, and so uh, you know, I was attending uh, my strategic uh, coach workshop that I do every quarter with other entrepreneurs. Right. And I was, I was describing, because you know, I was a little hesitant kind of questioning my decisions in, in looking at a franchise. It's like, well, is it too rigid? Uh, do I, right. do I lose the badge of entrepreneur for doing this? And somebody said to me, and I'll never forget, I, I don't remember the person's name, but they are like, you know, the way you're wired, maybe a holding company is the way you ought to go. And that clicked with me because I like building and growing things. Um, right. and so getting the right team in place Now we'll start with one thing at a time. So I'm not getting the cart before the the horse. Let's figure out the first model. But if we can replicate this with, you know, other um, burn boot camps in my case or another franchise, I'm totally open to uh, the blue ocean ahead. But uh, I have to figure out the first model first. Um, I, I knowing my personality, um, I'm not going to be content with just one for the next 20 years. Um, but right. so as soon as we kind of figure out how we can replicate this, whether it's this business or another one, I'm very interested in doing that. Um, you know, one proven concept at a time. And so I really appreciated the fact that, you know, you're open to not taking away my label of entrepreneur, just kind of, you know, you've got to be wired for it. That's right. That's right. And, and the cool thing is, I was just thinking about this. If I owned a fitness franchise, 
you know, the focus obviously is membership and, you know, new members and also membership retention. Yep. What I would do, because I'm comfortable doing it, is I would find places to, pu- to do public speaking hmm. on fitness. Mm-hmm. And I would position myself as one of the local fitness experts in my community and use that kind of as a lead magnet to get people into my into my business without promoting it, you know, by just like what I do on my website, providing just content, you know, and hopefully you'll like what you read and you'll you'll say, hey, I I might want to work with this guy. Right. It's the same thing in a fitness business. Why not speak at some schools? Why not speak at some churches and synagogues and stuff? There's cool stuff you can do, Paul, that is entrepreneurial to attract membership in kind of a low key way. And it, and it could take off. 100%. I was just talking to my business partners this morning about that idea of corporate sponsorships because uh, companies right. are very interested in bringing their healthcare rates down. Yeah. Uh, so joining a gym actually saves them money if their members do it. So maybe that company, we can give them a discounted rate to give their their employees the option to join uh, our community. And so that is another creative thing that uh, right. we can do. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing people get healthy. I think the statistic is only about 15% of Americans um, go to the gym. So uh, the market's wide open. Now we're not going to get 100% of people, but if we can increase that by a percentage or two in our community, I'm happy about that. Helping people um, stick around so they can be there for their kids, their grandkids, uh, you know, and have the, have energy and vitality to, to continue to live their lives that's a wonderful uh, personal benefit that I love to see people um, being the best version of themselves and being healthy. And this is a great way to do it. So anyway, I, I really have appreciated. I'll continue to update my journey uh, on this podcast uh, as we go. Um, but Joel, I just wanted to invite you on to maybe share if, if somebody's interested in looking into franchising themselves, uh, you mentioned your checklist, uh, you've got a book, Where, where's the best place to find you and reach out? Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Go to thefranchiseking.com, www.thefranchiseking.com. My website, my domain name, it's been around for 15, 16 years. There are 2,000 plus articles. Um, There are uh, videos I've done, um, interviews like this. You'll find everything you need to know on the website. And uh, if you want to get a hold of me, joel at thefranchiseking.com. I offer complimentary calls to see if we're a good fit for each other and offer tips. Easy. easy. And uh, I'm uh, here to, to uh, validate that it, it definitely was a benefit it is a shortcut for me to, to provide uh, some guidance and insight and wisdom. So thank you, Joel. Appreciate your time and also all of your resources. So I hope that those who are interested. will check out and take that next simple step. Thanks for listening. And thank you for coming to me with this idea. This was really cool. And, uh, you know, good karma coming.